Welcome to the Woot and Why NFL podcast, proudly brought to you by William Hill, where you'll find faster, easier betting on the NFL. San Diego Chargers are no more. They've moved to LA. I'm Josh Y. Welcome to another episode of the Woot and Y Show. I'm joined on the line by my buddy Josh Woot. How are you going? Very well. Very well, thank you. Um, I'm still recovering from Alaskan food and Beer? everything from the last podcast. Yes, but you know we're getting there gradually. That was a it was a a long flight back. <laughs> Very, very long flight. I do love that uh, literally hours after we finished recording and uploading the podcast, uh, the Chargers announced that they're moving to LA, and then all these coaches' hires just drop. It's always seemed to be our... Uh, just what happens with us every time we'd record something, like overnight, If when we're recording late, something would drop hours yep. after, and 2017's no different, and we'll get to that in a minute. It's just our luck, but... Uh, I hope you don't mind. I'm drinking the last Alaskan beer right now. I know it's 9 a.m., but I've got night shift tonight, so you know I can't drink tonight, so I'll just drink during the day. That's fine. I'm drinking Milo, so let's do it. We're all good. Uh, what's on the agenda? You're going away next week. Yeah, a bit of R&R with the, uh, the lady in the fam bam. bit of R&R and, with yeah, the GF. I'll, I'll maybe, maybe work on my tan. Maybe we can get it to, like... We'll get it from like an arctic white skin tone to a, you know, off white. That's what we'll try. Try and get it to maybe like, uh, you know, somewhat passive Tom Coughlin face. Yeah. <laughs> any any color would be amazing. Yeah. Well, don't any, uh, any don't come back with a angry Tom Coughlin face on your skin because uh, skin cancer is no. not a joke, Josh. I've been there before. Not skin cancer, just that okay, red. Thank God. Not good. All right, let's uh, let's. There's a lot of stuff to catch up. Um, but we're previewing all four of the uh, divisional preview games, but there's so much news to get to. Let's get to it. All right, so plenty of news after we just filibustered for like 25 minutes on the last episode just to get content because there was nothing going on and those wild card games stunk, but. Here we go. The San Diego Chargers have moved to Los Angeles. Chargers owner Dean Spanos announced the team will move to Los Angeles for the 2017 season. Uh, no one really seems to want this move to happen, but the fact was there was not enough to stop it. So in a letter to the team in a press release, Spanos said, San Diego has been at home for 56 years, and my family and I have nothing but gratitude and appreciation for the support and passion of our fans have shared with us over the years. But today we turn the page and begin an exciting new era at the Los Angeles of the Los Angeles Chargers. So they've moved to LA. They tried, they tried to get a stadium, a new stadium deal in San Diego, but just the stars didn't align. It just didn't fall right for them. And ultimately, this is what Spanos and his family and the ownership group decided was they had to make this move. Yeah, I mean it's disappointing because. Like, they're already behind the Rams. They're already, you know... I, I just... It's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. I mean, they're far more exciting. They have a better chance of, you know, going to the playoffs next season. So maybe maybe they look at this. They had to move now to try to get some of the, you know, the public backing sooner rather than later because the Rams still look like they're in a bit of a rough spot. And hopefully... Hopefully they, you know, they have a good season in their first season in LA, so that they get some of that, you know, public share. Especially if it's like the New York. I mean, I know New York, uh, the New York Jets, New York Giants thing is just like this long time rivalry and things like that. But 
I don't know. Hopefully they can develop into a big rivalry as well and then just have a, you know, that, I reckon that that's the best thing for the, the whole two LA franchises if they can, like, not get bad blood, but, you know, have have a, like, a really strong rivalry that everyone's excited to watch the two LA teams play against each other, you know, once a year or once however long. I, that that would be perfect. And I don't know. I, I To be honest, I feel really sorry for all the uh, the the San Diego fans and like if you if you are a San Diego fan you stick it out with your team it's not that far away it's not like they're moving to the other side of the country so that's hmm. one that's one good thing yeah that, like that that is the one benefit and I understand all the diehard fans and and you know their last game there in that stadium they didn't know whether it was a you know um, those that were in attendance said that the atmosphere was through the roof and that their, their fans were diehard but you hear other stories that people just stopped caring for the team because they're so frustrated with that ownership and the Spanos family are, are a very strange it's a strange ownership group you know they had issues with with the Joey Bosa thing they've had issues with the stadium and and the the ballot measure that they were trying to increase occupancy taxes in the hotels to pay for the stadium all sorts of stuff i feel like a lot of fans got tired of of that ownership not not so the team because you know, the team's exciting, and Phil Rivers has been exciting since he came into the league, and, and that'll continue, but it, it just seems like a lot of fans had given up. I feel sorry for the, the diehard fans, but this is a new opportunity for them, and I agree with you. I think, like, the rivalry in L.A., if they can both, you know, over the next few years make some strides and become competitive, they'll win fans over. The, the recipe to win fans over in any city is is good, entertaining football and, and, and winning games, and that'll... That'll happen if they keep doing that. Then eventually people will start to to come through the door. And but you know there was times where the Chargers were getting out like crowded in their own stadium. There'd be Chiefs fans and Raiders fans outnumbering Chargers fans in the stadiums. And they're going to try and limit that now. That they're playing in a thirty thousand seat StubHub Center in Cal State, uh, in the campus of Cal State in the Dominguez Hills in Carson while they wait for their shared stadium in Inglewood. Now, that's the dream. That Inglewood stadium is going to be fantastic. So a 30,000-seat yeah. stadium, very close to the action. Um, it's It feels very much like, I think it's like the Central Coast games that we have up here in the NRL where it's not quite a huge stadium, but the atmosphere is good because you'll, you'll fill all 30,000 seats and, and have a good atmosphere. Yeah. Um, how... What what is what's the time frame for this Inglewood Stadium? Because twenty nineteen I mean, is the is the uh, is the expected completion date for the twenty nineteen season. So they'll be playing in this thirty thousand seat StubHub Center Stadium, which they'll share with the LA Galaxy of the Major League Soccer uh, for the next couple of years. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. No, it's actually uh, an interesting little stadium. I feel like it'd be all right. Like it's probably good for them to develop that atmosphere and actually fill up stadium. You won't see empty seats. I think that's a I think that's a pretty good approach. Yeah, I, I, that's what I was going to say. I think the fact that, you know, obviously you're going to have your fans that have always been San Diego fans that are willing to travel there anyway, and then you're going to have your new ones that go, hey, let's check it out. And then if they can feel that and get a great atmosphere. And I, I have high hopes for Chargers next season. I think they can, you know, they. I know they didn't have a good season this year, but in like, in regards to everything that happened to them during this season, it turned out to be like you know there's a lot of lots of lot of positives to take from it, especially when you think that you can get Danny Woodhead and Ken Allen back, which are just you know two terrific players. Huge. You bring them back. You have an exciting team. You can fill a thirty thirty thousand seater stadium. I mean, it could it could all it could all come up really well for them. Yeah, I think you know ultimately if that means the survival of their franchise and they had to make the move, then you know it's hard to to argue with it. But it is it's just tough and it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. And you know ultimately fans will get over it. And you know if San Diego, the, the diehards are fed up with their team, then that's fine. You know who are we to say what you can and can't do? You know as a fan, if your team leaves and and you want to support someone else or just quit. The sport, that's fine. And if you want to follow them, that's fine. You're entitled to do whatever you like. I do, I just, yeah, we do feel sorry. There's a lot of angry scenes of uh, fans egging the building and, and lighting jerseys on fire out the front. And it's, it's tough to watch as football fans. You know, it would be tough to, to see. But we can't really explain it as NFL fans because we're, you know, across halfway across the world. So we're watching at a distance 
Anyways. Yeah. I mean, we also don't know exactly... We're not financial moguls, so we don't know exactly the whole... Uh, you know, we don't know exactly all the behind the scenes yeah, and exactly. like the viability of, you know, all the scenarios and things like that. So at the, these people are billionaires for a reason. So you kind of just got to trust it and go with what they've. Yeah, decided. exactly. And it's, it sounds hard to say trust Dean Spanos after everything. They've sort of all these sort of scenarios and, and behind the scenes and just frustrating stuff that, that you hear about them. But like, as he said, it's been their home for 56 years. You wouldn't just up and leave if you didn't think that was, the best decision for your franchise. So we'll wait and see how it happens. What I don't like or what, uh, you know, the, the stadium thing's cool and that's a good idea and a good plan, but uh, what about the old uh, logo, the new logo? Thoughts on that? Uh, well, think about it. What Do you think the old one was terrific? Not really. <laughs> There's not much you can do with a charger. You know what I'm saying? I know. And, so, like... At, at the same time, is that a charger? Is like, what no. is a charger? Yeah, it's just yeah. a, a charger. You know, just I you automatically think of mobile phone charger. Yeah, that's yes. just, and when that's not going to be what we're. No, <laughs> that doesn't exactly. I saw someone tweet the photo of um, you know, the phone when your phone's dead and it has like the little red at the side and then it has the lightning bolt in the middle. Um, yeah. I thought that was adequate because it seems like the charges are sort of, are sort of dying a little bit and on their last legs and they're, they're trying to charge up and plug in and rejuvenate the franchise. I thought that was a pretty clever little image, not quite a logo, but I thought that was very clever. But uh, it just felt like I, I loved the LA Do- uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning tweeted and, and said, um, checks mentions, squints, clears throat. For the record, us and the Dodgers are just friends, in, you know, implying that they haven't mated and form some sort of child because the logo does look like the, the child of the LA Dodgers in the Tampa Bay Lightning logo. Yeah, no, it looks like it, it's a completely merged. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest, though, like, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. It's very I think comic it's one of the. I know, it, it is, but it, it'll also go terrific on hats and True. merch and things like that. Like, I think... Yeah, I think it it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be completely fine. See, I think they're going to be what the LA Chargers and the other one will be the Los Angeles Rams. Like, I get it how they're both obviously Los Angeles Chargers, Los Angeles Rams, and stuff like that. Yeah. But I don't know. No, maybe they'll. Maybe that's how they'll begin to be, you know, known and named the LA Chargers. But LA Chargers sounds far better than the the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, and, and the Los Angeles sounds cool. Rams sounds better than the LA Rams. I don't know. I, yeah. I get that vibe too. I did love this other tweet too where it was like uh, San Diego Chargers saying to the Dodgers, hey, can I see your homework? And the Dodgers said, yeah, just don't copy it word for word. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. And then people are adding M-E on the back of it to spell out the word lame. Uh, overnight, though, they did uh, they did change the colour scheme to suit their old colour. So they've got the baby blue and the yellow now instead of the white and blue, very similar to the to the Dodgers. But apparently a shoe company as well is, like, suing them over copyright uh, infringement over the logo. Um, I had a look at... I, I tweeted it out on the our, uh, on our Twitter page, and it, it's, it's pretty funny because it's not anything like the LA logo whatsoever. And if they're going to sue the, the Chargers, why aren't they suing the Dodgers? Like... <laughs> it's a, it's, My, it's like an LA and it's got like a red arrow through the A. It's got nothing to do with like anything. Did you see the uh, the Dallas Stars? Yes, that mentioned was... the that was very funny. <laughs> that was very funny. So I feel like those that don't know, those that don't know the Dallas Stars, the the Dallas hockey side. Yep. They uh, tweeted the Dallas Cowboys and said, "Hey, we've changed our logo. I hope this is cool." And yeah. it's just the, the the Cowboys star. But in green. But in green. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like the timing of the, releasing the logo probably took some heat off some of the other stuff, and people were focusing on that. So you, re- you reckon they purposely just yeah. threw out a logo and went, hey, chat about this while we're Yeah, because it hasn't out. been approved by the NFL yet, so we'll wait and see how that actually pans out. But you're right, right that, if, it does if, look if good if on If you were hats. in charge of it, what would you, what would you do with it? No, I, I like, now that they changed it, and you mentioned that it does look good on merch, I, I get I get it. I, like it makes sense. Like that that color blue and the LA on a hat would be pretty cool. Yeah, and I just think it's something that I don't know. I, I to be honest, I know it's you can't ex, you can't do much with what they had, yeah. and I think they just 
you're very yeah, limited. To be honest, I reckon I reckon they nailed it. I just I don't love the logo, but I think they nailed it in regards to, you know, just what they can do with it now. They can. Yeah. It's so much easier than just having that curved lightning bolt that they can just throw on everything. It's, it's like, still it's still so weird to hear. Los Angeles Chargers or LA Chargers as a team like like two like eighteen months ago we had zero teams in LA and now we have two in LA. It's just like it feels like we're playing Madden where you just move all these teams around. It it just it seems just absolutely surreal. Like it's just do you know, do you know what's in such do you know a long time that, Yeah. When we went to uh, the US and we wanted to watch a game, but we're spending so much time in LA and, you know, around that area. In every city that we went to there wasn't a game. There wasn't a game on, no. and you know we spent how however long in LA, and there was no LA team. Now <laughs> there'll be a game there every week. Exactly, and uh, you know we saw US uh, UC, UC, uh, uh, USC. God, did I stutter? Can't even pronounce uh, just letters now. Uh, they're they're looking good next year. They're still going to be LA's team as much as people want it to be the Rams or the Chargers, but. It's going to be USC. They're they're playing really well. They've got a good young quarterback, so that's a tough market to to crack into. But by the way, Josh, if we if the schedule aligns for us next year, the Chargers, the mm-hmm. LA Chargers host the Eagles, and the LA Rams host the Colts. Maybe if they're in within weeks of each other or the same week or whatever, just maybe we could fathom a trip to the US. What a time to be alive! It, wouldn't that be a Wouldn't that be a cool thing? Oh, it'd be very cool. Right. It would be very cool. Let's, uh, Except I'm scared of the Chargers next season, so that's great. Yeah, that's true. And speaking of them, and you touched on it before about getting Denny Woodhead back and, and players back, they hired Anthony Lynn as their head coach. And Lynn was considered a shoe in to replace Rex Ryan in Buffalo, but they surprisingly passed on him for Sean McDermott, which we'll get to in a minute. And and Lynn you know, drew varying degrees of interest from all six teams. He, he was a popular name last year. And this year, finally lands a job with with the Chargers. He's been an NFL running backs coach since 2003. Took over the last two games as the Buffalo head coach. And this is this bodes really, really well for the Chargers offense in Melvin Gordon and Denny Woodhead. Both under Anthony Lynn, who, who was hugely successful with LaShawn McCoy and managed to make things work with Tyrod Taylor. Now he has a... An established, you know, and in my opinion, future Hall of Famer and Philip Rivers. There, this is this is really, really good move for him. And he kept Ken Wisenhunt around because they don't need to change the offense. But watch what he'll be able to do with this running game and Denny Woodhead and their blocking up front. This offense is going to be a force next season. Oh, I, I agree. I think I don't want to I don't want to jump ahead to further in the news, but um, the Chargers made the better of the coach hirings. Definitely, I think so. I think, yeah. To be honest, I like it. And what about what about the other? Remember the other week, and I said, "Hey, all these coach candidates that we're mentioning is going to be irrelevant because they're going to do exactly what they did last year and hire all these people that no one's talking about for their for the head coach roles." Yep. And all of a sudden, all these you can't say random, but they're somewhat random names that you know, not big names that are just being thrown out there saying, you know, look, we're hiring coordinators or yep. interim coaches. In, it's just it's bizarre, but to when you, when you look at what he's done at the Bills, you just think brilliant, yeah. brilliant. That's that that will work terrifically well for Melvin Gordon. Yeah, and keeping Ken Wisenhunt there doesn't change the offense at all, so they can just pretty much roll into next season with some rejuvenated hope. And and Anthony Lynn can't possibly be worse as a you know game manager and a time management basis than Mike McCoy. So you can pretty much cancel out maybe one or two embarrassing fourth quarter losses from their from their team. And you mentioned that, you know, they, they had a somewhat successful season. If they were in like a different division, they'd probably win probably two or three divisions in the NFL if they if they had a different schedule. It, it, they just played in the toughest division, lost too many injuries and, and just blew too many games on the back of Mike McCoy. So it's a rejuvenated hope and, and the reports are that they're probably going to hire Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator. They've got talent at all three levels there up front. Joey Bosa, obviously, and, and Ingram. Perryman and Jatavis Brown in the middle there. And then in the secondary, Jason Verrett and Casey Haywood and, and all that. He he will work wonders with that defense who had a really good season and an underrated defense. Now, if you've got Gus Bradley, Ken Wisenhunt, and Anthony Lynn there, I think the signs are pointing up on the field. And 
that'll put bums on the uh, 30,000 seats. That'd be crazy. I love the Gus, the Gus Bradley. Um, Not confirmed yet, but it looks likely. No, no, I yeah. know. I, I like, but I, yeah. I love that. If if they can nab him, absolutely incredible. Yeah. That, like we've, we've spoken about how maybe this head coach was just that bit too much. Maybe it was just a bit more than uh, what's what's the saying? Bit off more than he can chew. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the one. The one. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he could chew correct. more than he bites. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> yeah, no, I think. No, I, I think that would be terrific. Like we we spoke about all off season, how um, underrated the San Diego's uh, now. Uh, see, I've got to say Second LA year. now. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. te- technically, it was San Diego at the yeah. time, but it was the char- it was the Chargers' um, secondary was, and I mean, if they had some support elsewhere in the defense, maybe it could have been you know, yeah. far better. Exactly. All right, let's move on to the other LA team, and that's the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams hired Redskins offensive coordinator Sean McVay as head coach. Couldn't be a bigger 180 from Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher, uh, obviously, uh, you've gone from uh, an old decrepit man who was stiff and stubborn and, and not innovative to to a 30 year old young coach. Very reminds me of when uh, the Eagles went from like Andy Reid to Chip Kelly, kind of like a little bit of a switch, and then they went back from Chip Kelly to to uh, Doug Pedersen in terms of you're hiring the complete opposite because it just didn't work out in the middle there. So they've gone with a flashy guy who's been labelled as a you know the next John Gruden by some, and he's been in the he's been working with so many people. He started working with John Gruden when he was really really young, so he's kind of a wonder a wonder kind or whatever they call it. What's that word that they wonder kid? Uh, yeah, and. It's a weird word. They add an N in the end, and they pronounce it as a wonderkin, but it's it's just really weird. But yeah, he's a he's now the head coach of a, of an LA football team. It's uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, um, I hate it. I don't doubt the kid's talent. I love it. How I'm calling him a kid. I <laughs> four years older I, than us. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, no, but you know, like I'm sure he does have plenty of potential. I'm sure he, you know, he's. He has a good footballing mind, things like that. I just think the Rams, why couldn't the Rams just make, I don't know, just, I, I just feel like they needed a safer move than what they've gone with. Yeah. I just think that they, why couldn't they go out and get, you know, we mentioned all the candidates that are out there. Why couldn't they, like, see, I'm not saying that a Josh McDaniels or anyone like that would have been a safe pick because they're not, they're not safe picks. They're, you know, they could have success in the teams, but we don't. We don't know anything. I'm just trying to think of who was a candidate that was out there that was just, you know, a middle of the road, not middle of the road, um, just like a sound footballing knowledge guy. I'm sure there was. I'm, I've gone blank right now. I know they were talking They were talking about Sean Payton. That would have been perfect. Obviously, they would have had to trade for Sean Payton, but uh, you, you're right. Yeah, and, I know but they don't have any picks, but... It, it does seem like because they've Jeff Fisher was labelled the safe option at the time, and it feels like they're just now rolling the dice and taking the chance, and, and that's why they're doing it. I, I don't like I it still either. hate it. Yeah, I don't like it either because, look, it might turn out fine, and, and all this stuff that we're saying now is probably going to bite us on the backside, but we've seen so many young coaches just fail in the NFL. We saw it with Josh McDaniels. We saw it with Raheem Morris. We saw it with, you know, those those type of guys. They just they get in over their head, and they're going to ask this guy to come in here, fix Jared Goff, fix the Rams' offense, and be a head coach all at the same time. It's just a lot of take in on his shoulders, and we'll get to that type of move when you look at Vance Joseph and why they didn't hire Kyle Shanahan. I guess that's for the same reason. is You're just putting too much on this guy's plate, and he might be young enough to 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 take it all in but it and, and handle that workload, but it just seems like a lot to do it. And it just it is crazy. Like Bill Belichick's been working in the NFL longer than this guy's been alive. Bill's been in the NFL for 42 years, and this guy's 30. That's that's nuts. Jesus, how old's Bill? Like 70-something. The guy's going to coach until he's 100. Oh, that's amazing. He's just so old. It's crazy. And is it, Who's older, Bill or... Um, Pete Carroll's Coughlin. the oldest in the in the NFL. Or now, or Coughlin's a, uh, in the... Uh, Coughlin's in the uh, front office now, so he wouldn't be the oldest there. But he's yeah. He's oh no, no, I oldest. know. I'm just yeah. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get age. But I, I was just. That's I have it. a feeling though that Belichick and and Pete Carroll are closer than Coughlin than we realise. It's just Coughlin just has not aged well. 
Um, That's what I was. I wanted to say that you yeah. know, Bill looks, you know, twenty years younger than Coughlin. Yeah. So here's some other hires you mentioned to look up. You know, like someone like Dave Two, the Chiefs special teams coach, highly rated. He's a guy. Terrell Austin's been around in the coaching circles for a while. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan, Josh McDaniels, Harold Goodwin, Matt Patricia. So there's other options in the third year old, but obviously they see it best. What I do like is that he brings in Wade Phillips as a defensive coordinator. So he doesn't have to worry one bit about the defensive side of the ball. So that takes the pressure no. off immediately. But yeah. it's still a lot to take in in that you've got to fix Jared Goff and work on this young quarterback, fix the offense, and then head coach at the same time. That is pretty crazy. He was nine years old when Jeff Fisher had his first 7-9 season in 1995. I do love this nugget about Wade Phillips and them together. Wade Phillips was born two years after World War II. He'll be working for someone who graduated high school in 2004. Wow. That's that's nuts. 39 years difference. Imagine working for a boss 39 years younger than you. Well, to be honest, right, there's so many aspects to this. Not only, like, I agree with the the whole Wade Phillips hire. Yep. I think it was terrific. Yep. But at the same time, it's so difficult to. I know you know they're always going to be your coach, but to get the respect out of the players that are older than you or the same age, it's like you know what I mean. It's it's just it's it's, tough. it's going to be so difficult. And it's, it's I know I know I know the Rams are like fresh and you know they're going with hey we're going to go fresh we're going to go with this young coach and like. To be honest, if they have a successful season, everyone will be talking about how, you know, this young whiz, we've got this young new hotshot coach that we're going to have forever kind of thing. But hmm. I, I just don't see it working. I just yeah. see it was it was too risky too soon. They could have they could have went with someone um, a bit safer. I'm not talking about a Kyle Shanahan or something like that. I'm talking about more a, like a veteran coach that was out there. Yeah, we'll we'll wait and see how it actually pans out. And you're right, a lot of hurdles. Only one guy on the roster older than than McVeigh, so he's got that benefit in that most of the team's younger than him. Uh, but you're right, it is it is a lot to take in. But I do love the upside now. Like Aaron Donald's already ultimately amazing. When you actually look at his numbers, his numbers for his first few seasons for an interior lineman are actually better than JJ Watts. He could go to a whole nother level, like under Wade Phillips. It, it, it is scary what, what Wade Phillips could do with his defense. They could they could, they could could just go 0 and 16 just have nil or ties all next season. That'll get people through the door. <laughs> but McVay, like, he did a pretty good job with the Redskins, but you've got to factor in all the, all the pieces there. Jay Gruden's an offensive coach, so he's got that help. You've got so many weapons on offense, a pretty good offensive line that um, Scott McGlue and their GN had, had built up. And then you've also got... You know Kirk Cousins, who's pretty good, but when you actually watch the tape, a lot of a lot of those throws that Kirk Cousins makes has been schemed for him and open for him by McVay. So we'll wait and see how it does. But there is a lot of factors going into the success of the Washington offense. All right, let's. He's going to need. He's going to need a huge leash. Yep. Because especially the fact they don't have like picks this season. I mean, they can't. So. They can't go any worse than what they've done under Fisher. At least they'll play a little bit more entertaining. They're far more likable now that they have this young. You know, you root for the young guys. Like, someone, you know, that's 26, 30, I hope he's a success. I, I don't like the move, but I hope it. But they're already more likable with Wade Phillips in charge of their defense and McVay, who's not Jeff Fisher. So that's the one benefit. And they'll at least be a little bit more fun to watch uh, next season. Uh, let's move on. The Buffalo Bills, they hired Sean McDermott as their new as their new head coach. Uh, so it's really weird that they, they passed up on Anthony Lynn, which kind of concerns me a little bit for the Chargers. Like, why didn't the Bills fight for Anthony Lynn a little bit harder? But maybe they Neither just, ends. maybe they just, yeah, maybe they're just the McDermott sort of impressed the Pagula family <clears throat> and and uh, Doug Whaley, who has no power. So let's just say the Pagulas are the, the ones that hired McDermott, but he's had pr- plenty of, uh, you know, complete opposite to McVay, plenty of experience. He's 43-year-old defensive coordinator. He's worked under Andy Reid, Jim Johnson, and Ron Rivera. So he's he's got all the experience, and he's expected to switch Buffalo's defense back to a 4-3, which is where they had success under Jim Schwartz. That's... Uh, that's the success you know, that their defense had. Rex Ryan changed it back to a 3-4, which didn't quite make sense. Thoughts on the McDermott hire? Um, yeah, like you said, it could have just been a, a, you know, a great interview or something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to read into it too much. I, I like the guy. 
I, uh, you know, I've got nothing against the hire. It's, it's one of those ones that you're just going to wait and see. But I, I'm, I'm always interested to see how defensive coordinators go um, as head coaches because it hasn't been too successful of late. So it's like mm. you, you've um, people have been having far greater success when they bring in an offensive-minded coach and then hire someone specifically for defense. So what the Rams did, they they did the thing that's actually working for. A lot of teams. It's just, mm. yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I I got nothing against McDermott, but we'll, yeah, you know, we'll, it, it we'll seems see. like a steady, safe hire. Something that you probably expected the Rams to do rather than uh, rather than the Bills. It kind of seems like a little bit of a switch um, of what yeah. you expected. But, the, but you know what? To be to give credit to the Rams, they did need to get an offensive-minded coach to get something out of God. Yeah, because it's clear that he needs a lot of help. Uh, the Bills. He's, he's the he's the their future. So yeah, well they mortgage their future on him. So unfortunately, he's got a lot of pressure on him. So hopefully McVay uh, can connect with him, being a young guy, teach him what side the sun rises on and sets on, and uh, away we go. But uh, the Bills also hired uh, Leslie Frazier as their defensive coordinator. Now, he's a name that's popped up a lot. You know, he worked in Minnesota and, and things like that. So. He's bringing in some more experience for their defense. Uh, he was the, the Ravens' DB coach this year. What I am looking at is what McDermott does on offense because he needs to nail his offensive coordinator choice. This That is huge because there's a complete question mark over that entire offense, whether Tyrod Taylor will be back, and, and they need to do a complete rebuild on offense because now Anthony Lynn's gone. Their run game's not going to be quite as good. Uh, so what he does with that offensive coordinator hire is is going to be huge because the Bills are a little bit of a a little bit of a mess right now. So uh, we'll wait and see what what they do on offense. Yeah, to be honest, I yeah, like maybe they're going to go with you know a no name or someone that no one's expecting. But I don't know. we'll wait and see. Some sort of hot hot riser up the ranks. All right, the last coaching hire was the Broncos. They hired Vance Joseph. As their new head coach, a four-year contract. Um, signed definitely, the... I definitely saw this coming. You saw it coming? Why? Mm, no, oh, I yeah, didn't. Fair enough. <laughs> Got me. Uh, I I, I <laughs> assumed Kyle Shanahan was going to be the guy, yeah, given his pedigree and, and relationship with Elway and Kubiak and, and what he's been through. He seemed like the perfect guy to rejuvenate uh, their offense, but... You know, we spoke to Luke. I spoke to Luke Charles, our, our resident Denver Broncos fan, and, and similar to the Vic McVeigh thing is, when you think about it, Shanahan would have been charged with developing Simeon and Lynch, fixing the offense, playing play calling, and then being a head coach. It's just too much to handle. You need you need a guy in there that that can handle the head coaching duties and then still have his strength as well somewhere else. But he doesn't have to completely control it. And, and Joseph has said that he doesn't want to play calls on. Uh, on defense, he'll let his defensive coordinator do that. It's likely to be... All plays? Pla- wow, did I just do that? Did I stutter? <laughs> Call he doesn't plays. want to play calls. <laughs> <laughs> but he, it's expected to be done by Joe Woods, who's going likely to be their uh, defensive coordinator. So that's that's the kind of thing that they're going with in terms of their, their vision. And, and Vance Joseph's been a guy that's been a fast... You know, a rising star in the in the coaching world, and and he's he was interviewed by them a few years ago, and uh, so he has the history and the pedigree there, and uh, it's good to see uh, it's good to see some black coaches, Vance Joseph and Anthony Lynn, because the Rooney rules in place, and you see teams just tick it uh, tick it off as a you know like tick tick box for them, but it's good to see people actually consider them and and uh, have a little bit more than Mike Tomlin now in the NFL. <laughs> Yeah, Mike Mike Tomlin. Yeah, Mike Tomlin. Yeah. It feels like it feels like he 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 was the only black coach for so long, right? Yeah. It, it felt like that forever. So it's uh it's good to have him. I don't mind the hire. I I do. It's a big loss losing Wade Phillips, but you got to look at the offensive side of the ball. They bring back Mike McCoy. It's just been confirmed uh, via Ian. Uh, sorry, Adam Schefter. They've officially hired it, but. You know, Mike McCoy was the Broncos' offensive coordinator from 2010 to 2012. He worked with Kyle Orton, Tim Tebow, and, and Peyton Manning. So, um, And McCoy done, did a great job with, with Philip Rivers in, in San Diego on offense. Just was a, like Gus Bradley, just overmatched as a head coach. I think he's a wonderful offensive coordinator. I think that's a good combo there, Mike McCoy and Vance Joseph. To, something to steady the ship and get them back on pace. Yeah, back no, on I track. agree. I, think, I, I, I do like the McCoy hire. 
Macquarie High is smart, and it's. I mean, we 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 definitely know that um, Simeon needs some guidance. It's, it's he, you know, he he looks good, but then at other times he looked horrible. So there's definitely. Do you think they? Do you think they still keep rolling with Simeon, or they're still in the back of their mind? Hey, we, you know, we took Paxton in the first round. What do you reckon? Well, Vance Joseph has come out and said that it's an open quarterback competition. But I, look, I think Simeon's definitely well and truly in front. But you've seen quarterbacks make make huge jumps in their second off season to their first off season. We've we've seen it happen so many times. So maybe something about Mike McCoy really helps Paxton Lynch. You, you just don't know with these. So much of the NFL is all scheme based. And, you know, yeah. we only know so much. Like, we, we don't know how much a certain scheme helps a certain player, but just coaching is so huge, and we've seen so many players under new coaches thrive. Like, it always comes back to me is someone like Jerry Hughes, who was a complete bust in the Colts organization and the Colts coaching staff, but you move him over to Buffalo in that scheme and, and that and that coaching staff under Mike Pettin and, and, uh, and Jim Schwartz, and it paid off. That, that always comes back to mind for me, just as, you know, when I – really got into the NFL was, was Jerry Hughes being a bust in Indy, but a success in Buffalo. That's just one example. There's so many others. Yep. Right, I agree. I like so it. we'll wait and see, but you don't know. Too, I just don't know too much about, about Vance Joseph, but um, from, from what Luke Charles has said, he's, he's happy with the hire and uh, you know, he's, he's pretty honest when it comes to the Broncos, very critical. So if he's excited, I, uh, I'm going to trust his instincts on this one. All right. All right, we'll give we'll give Charles we'll the give Charles the benefit of the doubt. Uh, let's uh, let's get into our divisional preview. This week's NFL lines are brought to you by William Hill. Faster, easier betting. All right, these four games much juicier than our wild card weekend matchups. First game, Seattle. That's bold. <laughs> it's a bold strategy, Cotton. All right, let's start Seattle at Atlanta. Seattle are the four point favorites, minus four at a dollar ninety one. Seattle plus four. At a dollar ninety-one, played in the Georgia Dome. Thoughts, initial thoughts on this game, and, and who are you picking? I love all these games for a variety of reasons. Every every single game is juicy. There's so many different storylines. I mean, the New England game. There's not that many storylines, but yep. you know, if there would be one hell of a storyline if Houston was to win. Oh, it'd be so. the upset of the biggest. It's the biggest line in like twenty years in playoffs. Yeah, so it would be absolutely crazy. Um. I don't know. It, the Atlanta game is just, you want to say, all right, Atlanta's been far hotter this season. And then you look at Seattle and you're like, Seattle's been here so many times. Mm, and Pete Carroll knows what it takes. And, you know, like he has had Atlanta's number far more than they've ever had Seattle. I mean, yeah, Seattle's number. So it's just like, I don't know. The whole Earl Thomas thing is the biggest Thing for me, that's yeah. like the biggest question mark. And if can Atlanta exploit that? I think they can. Um, but that it's just that it's, a, uh, it's so confusing. Like it's just that one. It, it's obviously the it's like the only hole in the defense. And <laughs> it is. It's so, it is a huge hole. Though. Oh no, I know that. Yeah. But then saying that, I think Seattle's pass rush is going to have a lot of success. Mm. So I think both pass rushes in this game like X factors for both teams because. Atlanta aren't really known as this elite pass rush, and we've seen Seattle struggle against really good pass rushes. You know, when you think back to that Tampa game where they just got hammered, and 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 other games where they've just been hammered up front. But the Falcons' pass rush is pretty good. Vic Beasley's, you know, the sack leader, and had eleven sacks over since since their last game over the last you know course of the season. So there's, I think, definitely both. I think whoever's pass rush has a bigger day would be will be huge in this game. Yeah. Um... I don't know. It's to be honest, it's a flip of the coin. Yeah, I. But what I was gonna say, I I agree with you in that it's like the you go with the the hot team right now, the team that's a, clearly playing a lot better against the team that's been there before. It's the old uh, new kids on the block versus the the old stalwarts like sort of battle there, where you've got where you've got those two teams sort of clashing against each other, but. You know, the last game was 26-24, Seattle won. That was in Seattle, but now they're on the road, and we know Seattle aren't as good on the road, albeit in a dome. It, it, it sort of takes the shine off it a little bit. But Matt Ryan had 335 yards in that game, and that was with Earl Thomas. But then uh, when on the other side of the ball, the Seahawks didn't have Thomas Rawls. Yeah. So, and, and then 
you know they're going to give the ball to Rawls. Rawls will have success. He will just – it's going to be that kind of game, and I think Atlanta's going to use try and use their ground game as much as they can. Yep. But if, if Seattle somehow suffocates this run and then forces Matt Ryan to, you know, try to find the Earl Thomas hole every time, that's a bit weird. Yep. If <laughs> – if that's what they force Ryan to do, I think that that's definitely their their you know their method for success in this game. I think if they can stop the run and then force Matt Ryan to throw it, despite how good Matt Ryan has been this season, Seattle's defense is still nothing to like you know yeah. just ride off. So if they keep trying to force him to find that space where Earl Thomas would have been. See, we'll see what I did there. I avoided the Earl Thomas yeah. hole thing again. If uh, you know if if you make Ryan try to find that space, eventually they will, you know, take that opportunity and, you know, hope, pr- probably run away with it. Like, not run away with it, but they would, you yeah, know, I get, what you mean. get that turnover, force force Matt Ryan to continue to do that and then find success that way. Yeah. Saying that, if they can get, have their run game and get that run game going um, for Atlanta, that would just that would open the game up entirely and I can see Atlanta winning by 20. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me what way it ends up going, but yeah. I don't know. I, it always, it always comes down to me that, you know, Seattle's been there so many times and Russell, Russell Wilson is like, despite him being so young, still it feels like he's been there so many times as well already. Mm. Although it's the incredible. Last, the last time they met in the uh, playoffs, uh, Matt Ryan out uh, Russell Wilson and they, they walked away with a win. Uh, Russell Wilson put Snap. them up, put them up ahead, and then Matt Ryan uh, fought back and and got the win uh, against them. So that's uh, that's something to consider. But it, it's been it's been so long since then, and Russell's had so much more experience in the playoffs. While Atlanta, um, you know that that game that they they won with a very flawed team, and it showed the next couple of seasons where they just couldn't get that success anymore with, under Mike Smith. So. We'll wait and see. For the Falcons ranked 29th in in rush defense. So if that's that's something that the uh, Seahawks will want to exploit and, and really try. But likewise, on the other side of the ball, without L. Thomas, Matt Ryan's killing it in deep passing this year. He's got 136 passer rating on 20-plus yard passes and hasn't thrown an intercept this year on deep passes. So uh, maybe there is some regression in what you're saying there. And if they keep forcing the throw it deep, eventually that, that pick will come with, with the ball hawking you know, defense. But I don't know. I, I, I think... Atlanta will win comprehensively. A lot of that game last week, Seattle were just struggling for, for like, it felt like 20 minutes where they 10-6. And if you do that against Atlanta, who are averaging three points a drive, you're not going to, you're going to get yourself down late. You might be able to fight back and, and maybe get a backdoor cover. But I think Atlanta should win this game. Uh, uh, I think they'll win by like 10 points. All right. You're taking Seattle? Yep. Yep. All right, let's move on to the next game. We don't have to spend too much too much time on this one. Houston at New England. The line is 16. New England minus 16 at $1.91. Houston plus 16 at $1.91. It is just a, a monstrous line. I'm trying to find the uh, the stat for us here, but it's I think it's the biggest... There it is. It's uh, the biggest playoff spread in 20 years. That's just crazy. They better chickety-check themselves before they wreck themselves, guys. They won... <laughs> They won 27-0 with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback when they last met. So now you add Tom Brady to the mix, it's scary. No, I I really don't know how New England's going to approach this, whether they just want to, you know, put their foot on uh, Houston's throat and just just completely smash them, or they're going to just, you know... Because, to be honest, New England can do with Houston what they want. It's going to be... It's going to be one of those games where do they try to keep it not competitive, but do they try to, you know, get so far out in front and just keep playing as if it was a regular game and try to keep that mentality going into the next week? Or do they just try to absolutely kill them? Mm. I I don't know. And do Houston try and win the game and and just produce turnovers and it'll all crumble and snowball? Or do they just try and keep things close and, and remain respectable so they can leave with a little bit of dignity and honour when they uh, leave Gillette Stadium. Because you've got to know that you cannot win that game. They've been outscored 54-6 to six over their past two matchups. Houston and Osweiler just going to New England. It's just, it's just horrible. 
It's horrible for a Houston fan. It's a bottom five DVOA team against the number one DVOA team. It's just, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be, it'll be over by half time. Oh, it'll, it'll be, the question is, will Houston score a point? (laughs) I I think they'll be fine in that regard, I think. And will we see Jimmy Garoppolo? (laughs) Possibly. I think, I think we might see all three quarterbacks. That'd be funny. But this could be a game where Brady could, like, you know, he's, 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 Played in so many playoff games, it's crazy. But this could be a game where, like, if they're up early, like he could just really pile it on and just boost his playoff stats if he really cared about it. Like it would just be huge for his playoff numbers and stats. He could just just pump them and and really go with it. But you know, they could. It just could be a very heavy Legarren Blount game. But they've got to be careful that they don't give up any injuries because you know what we've seen from Jadavian Clowney and Whitney Merciless and. And, and their defense is they at least hit hard and they play hard throughout the game. The Texans' defense is a pretty good defense, but they're just going to be no match for this for this offense. You look at this backfield trifecta. You've got LeGarrette Blount, Deion Lewis, and James White. They can just split backs. Leon, uh, Deion Lewis and James White, just quick passes all game. Avoid any chance of Brady getting hit from Jadavian Clowney. Like, why would you risk it at all? Um, of course, like just there's so many ways that they can just attack and 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 kill them. But the only thing I can see maybe Osweiler and Bill O'Brien doing is is running the ball uh, a lot and trying to keep Brady and the offense off the field, and then just lean heavily on CJ Fedorowicz and Ryan Griffin on third down. They they love the tight ends and they can try and get them in the middle. Jamie Collins had a huge game in this game last time. He's not there this time, but it, I just can't see them at all. I'm just trying to find a way maybe to to, to talk up Houston, but it, it is really – it's tough. It's really tough. And I I just – I don't – as much as we hate Osweiler, we don't want it to get to a point where, you know, he's only been out there for a quarter. He's just like – the crowd is so under his skin that he's just throwing the ball away all the time yeah. and it just becomes a bloodbath. I don't like, want to That see, would be the worst thing. I don't want to see another – like when uh, the Pats – Smashed Denver. I think it was like uh, it was like a fifty-four to something game, and we saw Tom Brady punt the ball and all that. Like it just got boring uh, by the second quarter. I, I really hope they can keep it interesting, but I just can't see it happening at all. When you look across the park, there's just it's just always favors New England. It's just it is crazy. Like you know, the Texans are the number one defense in inverted commas on yards, but. Would you rather be in the yards per game or points per game? Where the, the Patriots are the number one scoring defense. It's just like yeah. even on defense, it's just it suits New England better as well. It's just uh, it's just crazy. But you know, if there's one thing, it's they're third in rushing yards allowed. So there's a chance Lamar Miller can can maybe run the ball on them. But I'm taking them by. <laughs> I'm taking New England minus sixteen. I think they'll win by twenty to twenty-five. Yeah, all right, I'm with you. Yep. All right, let's move on to the third game. And now it's kind of flipped because there's been a move today uh, because of storm warnings and, and uh, weather warnings. The Pittsburgh-Kansas City game has actually been moved to a later time. So the early game now on Sunday morning, uh, Monday morning our time, Sunday in the States, the Packers and the Cowboys are now playing at 8.40 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time on Monday and the Steelers and Chiefs are on at 12.20 p.m. It's actually the latest game ever on a Sunday in the playoffs. Um, so there's... All these, all these, the first time is yeah, this season. Yeah, a lot of, bits, a lot of uh, weirdness. So it's a bit weird having the Packers-Cowboys as the early game, but playoffs, it doesn't really matter. They're all primetime games. So let's start with the Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. The line is at 4.5. Dallas minus 4.5 at $1.91. Green Bay plus 4.5 at $1.91. Jordy Nelson ruled out this morning, but we knew that was going to be the case, uh, which hurts. Um, you know, last time he was on the field and Des Bryant was unavailable for the for the Cowboys, and this time it's the other way around. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> oh, well, oh, well, lost my voice then. Damn I was just yeah. I was choked up about this game. I'm so excited. Look, Josh, I know um, the time move is an inconvenience, but you don't need to cry about it. It's okay. You'll still get to see all four games. It's okay, buddy. <laughs> There was there was a moment there where I didn't know. Um, <laughs> anyway, this is this is nothing to do with NFC East bias. I think Dallas have had a terrific season, but I think Green Bay is just essentially it's just if Aaron Rodgers wants to do it at the moment, he'll do it. And it's just it's gotten to a point where I, I, obviously I still think Elliott will have a, like a good game and the offensive line will still do what they do, but I think. 
Green Bay are so hot right now. I wish we had a job for that. So hot right now. There has to be something. What's the Nagatu, whatever his name is, from uh, Zoolander, You can give me the hot, 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 hot. I did play it. You can't hear it. Um, I did play it. Nice. What is is it? The guy from... um, It's Will Ferrell's character, right? So hot right now. Hansel. Hansel. So hot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, no, I think it, it is what it is. Like... Rogers is in such a zone that you just think he's a cyborg. He's not human. On any any day, he's going to come out and just you know just blitz a team. It's it it is scary. So I think Dallas is going to have like somewhat some success against Green Bay, and it's going to it's going to be close. But I think just in the end, it's just going to come down to you know it's going to. I feel like the game's just going to end up with a feeling of Dallas going, you know what? We had a good season. We exceeded all expectations with this quarterback and running back combo. Mm -hmm. It was a good year. They're not going to feel anything bad about it. And they'll be like, imagine what we can do next season. That's just how I, that's kind of how I feel the game ending. I feel lining. Like, yeah, that's, that's just when, you know, when it comes down to it, I think they're still going to have a good game. It's still not going to be a blowout. It's still going to be close. I just think Green Bay is going to get there in the end because, Rogers has been there so many times, done it before, and is in you know such. It feels like just a mood. It feels like he's just in a mood that he's just, just like, oh, you can't beat me right now. I'm it's, you know I'm so hot, like I said. I'm a cyborg from planet wherever. But you're right. It, it, much like the Seattle Atlanta game, where you have the really good team, the better team all year, playing a very experienced team. This this feels like a a clash when you've got a team with. With all the momentum, you know, Green Bay have seven straight wins, six and one against the spread, 30 points or more in their last five. The Cowboys have have been one and five against this spread in their last six games, and it's been several weeks since they've played a meaningful game. You know, they're well rested and they've got, they get defensive players back in Tyrone Crawford, Justin Durant, Demarcus Lawrence, Morris Claiborne. They get all of them back, which helps, and they're well rested and ready to roll. But it is hard to, you can expect, maybe, could you expect a little bit of rust? It's, it just has been a while since you're playing and you you need to get off to a good start because if you if you you're down against Aaron Rodgers it, it is really tough to to beat them up and Aaron Rodgers you said he's just in this mode he's 22 touchdowns and zero interceptions in his last eight games it's just it is crazy but the last time they played Cowboys won 30 to 16 without Des Bryant they ran the ball comprehensively forced turnovers you know it was a different Aaron Rodgers but it is tough to it is tough to dismiss but you know the the Packers' run defense is pretty good. It's the one, the one thing in their defense that's that is pretty good. Their secondary is a mess, and their pass defense is a mess. So, um, if they can contain Ezekiel Elliott and maybe force a rookie quarterback in the playoffs to to have a big game, they might be able to come up trumps. Who knows what Dak Prescott's going to produce? He's an absolute wild card in this game, despite what he's put on paper. Wild card. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's he is because you know he's what he's put on paper during the year has been fantastic, but you don't know the playoffs are a different beast. It could get the better of him. It is really interesting to see. But I will mention that you know if Ezekiel is in that run game and it, it leaves Des Bryant, you know one on one on the outside against like someone like Ladarius Green or Demarius Randall who. Des Bryant can completely dominate, so I, I think this is going to be a close game. I feel like there's just going to it just inevitably, inevitably seems like it'll come down to a field goal or or a four point win. So I'm taking Green Bay plus four and a half. I think Dallas will s- escape. I think it'll it'll be a really close game. I'm really excited to watch this game, and you know these three games they're all like they're just such juicy matchups. It's just incredible to see what what they can do, but if they can control the clock, and we know Dallas can do that with that offensive line in Zeke, I feel like they can hold out Aaron Rodgers just enough. Yeah, that, I mean, that is, the, that is the way they're going to have to go about it, just keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. That's That seems to be every coach's method, to try to obviously have their team with the most possession and just keep it away from Rodgers and keep him rusty and, you know, as much as they can, rusty. But uh, yeah, like like you said, there might be some rust for the Dallas team. We just we don't know, no. or it's not going to surprise us whatsoever if they come out and just absolutely run over the top of this team because they've done it to so many teams all year. Yeah. But it's just it's just the mood and the you know the role that Green Bay is on that just has me you know oh. excited for what they can do. Exactly, and you know part of that is because they've had to win these games while Dallas have been so good that they haven't had to the last few weeks. So. You got to take all that into account, but it is 
Definitely interesting. Uh, who, who's more hot right now? All right, you've got Aaron Rodgers playing the way he is. He's got Olivia Munn on his arm, or Tom Brady, who's historically hot and has Giselle. Like right now, who's more hot? Who's more hot? Yeah. Wow. You got a factor in everything. There's so there's so many factors of hotness. There's, an, I don't there's know. a whole podcast. We should do a hot essentially. Power essentially, Tom Tom Brady has Tom Brady's been like essentially. It's going to be like he has been the like he's the king and queen with Giselle, and then the prince and princess is Aaron Rodgers, who will eventually take over the throne when yeah, Tom Brady but, retires. Yeah, I know. But then when you look at the the Patriots locker room, is is Tom Brady still the hottest quarterback? Because Jimmy Garoppolo is a stunning man. So all oh, stuff to the guy's a stud with a you know a very rigid jawline. Very rigid jawline. So, so we'll wait and see. <laughs> uh, so it's safe to assume we're both. Uh, you're taking Green Bay to win the game outright. Yeah, definitely so. taking them plus four and a half, like myself. Uh, let's move on yeah. to the last game, which is now at uh, twelve twenty p.m. on Monday, smack bang in the middle of the day. Pittsburgh at Kansas City. Now, this is another rematch. All games are rematches, and and uh, it's this one was the most lopsided. Ben Roethlisberger threw five touchdown passes for the fifth time in his career, and they won forty-three to fourteen. Also interesting to note, Le'Veon Bell had one hundred and forty-four rushing yards on eighteen carries. Uh, Tariq Hill wasn't quite a factor in that game. Justin Houston wasn't on the field for the Chiefs, but Derek Johnson was at the time, and now he's not. So you've got to really be concerned about the the Kansas City Chiefs' inability to stop the run. That's the one weakness in their team. They're strong offensively, defensively overall, and special teams, but the one weakness within that is Kansas City are 26 against the run in weighted DVOA. Pittsburgh are 8th in rushing DVOA. So... That's the that's the matchup to to exploit. It, it comes down to Le'Veon Bell, who is now the focus, the focal point in this uh, Steelers offense. Or the Steph Curry of the league. Absolutely, mate. Like. Couldn't agree more with him. <laughs> Big golden pony boy. <laughs> it's it's just ridiculous. Um, he's good. He's just not that. Um, anyway, you can you wouldn't it wouldn't shock you if Pittsburgh went in there and you know studded. It's just it's what they do when they go away from Heinz Field. They just have that yep. feeling that you, that that really it's that giant uncertainty that you just don't know how they're going to perform. Yeah, this is this but, is Big Ben's splits outside of home. Fifty nine point four percent completion rate, nine touchdowns, eight interceptions, seventy eight point four quarterback rating. At home, one hundred sixteen point seven quarterback rating. 20 touchdowns, only five picks, and 70% completion rate. That drop-off is massive. That's insane. It is. <laughs> it's just nuts. <sighs> I don't. To be honest, this this game has me. It's the it's the one that you just you can't pick out of the way. The the whole exploiting the run thing is huge, and like Le'Veon Bell can exploit, obviously, the the weakness that the Chiefs have in the running game. But uh, I mean, against the run, but I don't know. It, it's always these games where, like, where just no one's talking about the Chiefs. Just no one is talking about them. And that's exactly where they want to be. Yep. And then they'll likely win this game by three touchdowns. And everyone will be like, Jesus. Yeah, and then everyone will talk. Everyone will talk up the Chiefs next week, and then they'll get done thirty to nil in New England. Like that's how I see exactly. it panning out. Like it's just. It's, <laughs> this is the thing. If you, if you were New England, who would you rather play? Oh, you'd rather play the Chiefs. The Chiefs' game plan is to win off turnover battle and special teams, and you don't beat New England in turnover ratio or special teams in New England. You never have fumble luck. You never have special team success. You miss field goals. Like That's actually proven. Scott Kazmaier, Football Outsiders, worked out missed field goals in New England is, is massive. Um, they've won so many games off missed field goals. Um, not, not, in, not in the final seconds, but just like the differentials being a missed field goal. Um, it, it's huge. I, I just can't see the Chiefs beating New England. So my pick is based on who I would rather see, and I'd rather watch Pittsburgh take on New England because Pittsburgh, New England haven't played a good offense since they played Seattle, and Seattle's not even that great of an offense. They just haven't played a, a really good offense. They haven't been tested. They're the number one scoring defense because they've played bums for, for nine weeks. I, I'd rather watch this elite three take on New England and, and have a real blockbuster game and see what we can produce rather than Kansas City. But in saying that, if Kansas City win by like two scores, then they deserve to be there. But 
it, it is tough. Andy Reid after a bye, though. Remember that? That's the one thing this year that we loved. We loaded up on it after the bye. And he's done it in the playoffs. Jeez. He's 3-0 and after the bye. He did it with the Eagles, your Eagles. 2002, 2003, and 2004, Reid's Eagles faced, a, faced off against a really talented offense each time. He got Michael Vick in the Falcons in 2012, uh, 2002, uh, Brett Favre in the Packers in 2003, and Dante Culpepper, Randy Moss in the Vikings in 2004. And they all averaged like 25 points. 23 points and 27 points per game, and the com- they, his defense gave up a combined 37 points across those three games. So All right. That's an insane with Reed, stat. With, in, in Reed, I trust. You take I'm, going, a, with, take I'm, a I'm going with the Chiefs. Yeah. The Lions only one and a half, minus one and a half, dollar 91, the Chiefs, plus one and a half, the Pittsburgh Steelers, dollar 91, courtesy of William Hill. So it is interesting, but I just can't pick against this big three. They're playing really, really well right now. Um, they're just so hot right now. Uh, on Bell, since he's been the centerpiece, they've just been dominant. They run the game. They control the clock. I think that's the way. And given what we now know about the weather, it feels like it'll be very Pittsburghian type weather uh, in Kansas City in Arrowhead. So I know it's not quite Heinz Field, but I feel like there's a chance that uh, that it'll be very similar to home conditions for Big Ben. The Steelers haven't lost since Thanksgiving. Crazy! Can you just see this this Steelers team coming out and being like, obviously they're like super pumped up, they're performing super well, and then Alex Smith just putting on like a clinic in the first quarter. I can just see something odd like that. Alex Smith's like deep passing game this year has been one of the weirdest things in the world. Like I just, he's come out in games and just like torched them in the first couple of drives with just huge seam routes down the middle, corner out routes, and just been. It's just been really bizarre to watch. But the, the Steelers' defense, a lot of talk about their offense. They've been they've been really good since since they've started their rookies. Your guy Sean Davis, my guy Javon Hargrave. They've been they've been so much better. They're you know they surrendered twenty two point nine points and three hundred eighty yards per game in the first half of the season. Second half sixteen point six and two hundred ninety five over the past eight games. That's that's really, Damn. really good. And James Harrison, guy, like talking about cyborgs, like Aaron Rodgers, James Harrison's like the king of cyborgs, the father of all cyborgs. The guy is phenomenal. I mean, he looks like a robot still. Yeah. But the range of outcomes on, like, apart from the New England game, on all these three games, uh, to a lesser extent the Atlanta game, but these two Sunday games or Monday games for us, like the range of outcomes here would not surprise if any of these four teams win comprehensively. It's just, it could easily get away from either team. They've got the ability, all four of them. They're all good teams to just pour on points at will and, and, and create turnovers. I, I, there's so many games. Like, if every game went against how I bet, aside from the New England game, it wouldn't surprise me yeah, whatsoever. We went uh, four out of four last week. So if we go 0-4 this week, we're even on the year for the playoffs. So that's fine. Nice. <laughs> And it would mean New England aren't in the uh, AFC Championship game, which would be uh, just a huge shock. <laughs> and a joy for imagine, the... the, the God, apparently imagine we've, we've got the population of Boston in Australia in terms of Pats fans. It's just crazy. You know it. Yeah. On the NFL huddle page, would be less less unbearable. Although you've managed uh, to sweep out the trash. <laughs> uh, slowly, slowly. You're the Terminator. All right, it's time for our Lock of the Week. The Wooten Y Lock of the Week. Proudly brought to you by William Hill. Faster, easier betting. All right, what's your lock of the week? <laughs> I'm going to go out on the limb here and go New England. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Mike and Mike were on, uh, you know, on ESPN last night, and that's Greeny made that his lock of the week, and everyone was giving him crap on Twitter about it. Oh, way to go out on the limb. But when the, all the other three games are so close, like, it, it has to be New England, right? It's just... Like what other what other game would you be more confident in? It's uh, crazy. I'm I'm going to go Atlanta minus four. I love Atlanta. I love Matt Ryan. Um, I'll be a homer here. Minus four. Yeah, I'll take a minus four. I prefer it at minus three. If you want to buy a point, maybe that's the way to go. But Atlanta. I, I Atlanta, like uh, the Green Bay. Green Bay plus four and a half is. Yeah, I think that's the three. Oh, I think that's the three team teaser you'd, you'd go with there. And in the Kansas City Pittsburgh game, I do like I do like the over. I feel like there'll be a lot of points in that game, despite how uh, how good uh, their defenses have been. I just feel like we could be in for an old fashioned shootout in uh, some terrible conditions. Yeah. 
All right, uh, that wraps up the show. Uh, a bit of a long one, but there was just so much stuff to do with that LA Chargers and, and you know, I got it right there, LA Chargers and all the coaching hires and these four games. I, f- I feel like this is going to be the, uh, the the best week of the playoffs. And, you know, championship so weekends are normally, so. the, normally the best, but I feel like we've got four, three, three and a half generally good games. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Look, whatever teams are left of the, the, the um, conference championship games are going to be absolute doozies yeah exactly and, and especially on the nfc side of the ball you've just got these these stellar offenses it's just gonna you're gonna see points galore in the nfc championship game which is which is always always fun football all right uh, as always you can buy tickets to the lunar bowl at uh, the big top website you just type in big top sydney into google or lunar bowl uh lunar park into google and you'll be able to find tickets otherwise uh you can contact billy um, we've got that, those posters uh, tweeted around on uh, on our Facebook and Twitter pages and Instagram. So if you have any questions or anything, feel free to email us as well, wootenwhite@gmail.com. But as always, you can follow Josh on Twitter. At Woot, etc. You can follow me on Twitter, at JYNFL. And you can listen to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Wooshka, Radio Hub, and TuneIn Radio. As we said, our Facebook page, The Woot and Why Show. Give us a like and uh, see you on the other side. Enjoy your trip to the South Coast, Woot. Thanks, matey.